Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. Rabbi. It's terrifying how quickly the human story in the Torah descends into murder, and not just murder, fratricide. When Cain kills his brother Abel, we tremble, and the earth cries out. God responds, and Cain is relegated to a life of wandering. Cain expresses a mysterious fear that he will be killed, by whom we do not know, as ostensibly they are the only two humans left on the planet at that time, outside of their parents, whom we assume would not kill them, although given that brothers have now killed each other, perhaps we should not be so sure. Just the same, God compassionately responds to Cain's fear that he will be attacked and killed, and God puts an oath, puts a sign on Cain, or with Cain, that would prevent people from killing Cain. There is much discussion about what that sign is, and the most unexpected opinion from my point of view, is that of Rav, who says that God gave Cain a dog. That was the sign that Cain had. And not just any dog, but this was his own brother's dog. Remember that Hevel was a shepherd. So Cain was now given Hevel's sheep dog as a sign. The very same dog that would protect Hevel's sheep from attackers would now protect Cain from attackers. Rabbi Moshe Sofer, the Khatam Sofer, comments on this, that this sign worked internally on Cain and was intended to remind Cain of the character trait of loyalty, the very trait that Cain did not have towards his brother, is the very trait that this dog would have toward him and would constantly teach him and remind him of his insufficiency in that area. The word for loyalty in Hebrew is ne'emanut, which obviously shares a root with the word emunah, faith. Implying that ne'emanut loyalty shares a quality with faith of not knowing. I am loyal to someone or something when I am given reason to not be loyal to that person, and then I express my loyalty. Similar to believing, I believe in something or in someone when I cannot directly see or understand directly what it is that's benefiting me or that is working for me within the context of this relationship. When I understand something and I do it, that is not an act of faith. When I don't understand something, when I can't see how it works and I still adhere to it or still behave accordingly, I am expressing something like faith. So an act of loyalty that one friend has to another would come at a time when I'm challenged to express that loyalty, when I'm not motivated to express it, and when I'm not motivated to act in a way that is tit for tat or quid pro quo in response to something that this person has done, it is specifically at a time when I'm not able to do that, when I don't know why this person acted the way they did, when I've lost sight of the purpose, when there doesn't seem to be any common commitment to certain values, those are the moments when loyalty is going to kick in. 
So if we look back on some of the relationships that we have explored through our time in this series, we can wonder along the axis of loyalty. What happened? Did this person express loyalty? And if they did, why? And if they did not, why not? I think first and foremost of Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan. Remember that Reish Lakish was a bandit or a pirate, and Rabbi Yochanan promised him Rabbi Yochanan's sister in marriage if Reish Lakish would become a scholar and a rabbi, which Reish Lakish did, and they had this tense but functional relationship in which they were able to learn much from and with each other until a certain point when the gap between them suddenly becomes explicit and they are arguing about the point at which a weapon, a spear, or a sword is finished so that can now be subject to ritual impurity. And Rabbi Yochanan says one thing, and Rish Lakish says another thing, and Rabbi Yochanan says to Rish Lakish, well, a thief knows his trade, and Rish Lakish says, well, what have you done for me? I was a king then, and I'm a king now, and what difference does it make? At that point, they split. Rabbi Yochanan becomes despondent. Rish Lakish becomes despondent because Rabbi Yochanan is despondent. Rish Lakish starts, starts to become ill. Rish Lakish's wife, which is Rabbi Yochanan's sister, goes to Rabbi Yochanan and says, please pray for my husband. I don't want to be a widow. And Rabbi Yochanan says, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And Rish Lakish's wife, Rabbi Yochanan's sister, says, I don't want my kids to be orphans. And he says, well, God takes care of orphans, so don't worry. And then Rish Lakish dies. Where is Rabbi Yochanan's loyalty? In that situation, why doesn't he compensate for this lack of understanding about Rish Lakish's motives or his attitude at that time with this thing called loyalty, which allows him to step beyond? It allows him to not only look at this moment of argument, but allows him to invoke a larger context in which their relationship operates that requires him to stay loyal to his friend, even though they're having this fight at that time. And on the other hand, we see Hira. Yehuda's friend, remember, Yehuda went and he saw a prostitute which happened to be his own daughter-in-law and he left his driver's license with her because he didn't have a sheep that he was going to pay her for her services at that time or a goat. And when it comes time the next day to send the goat, he sends it with his friend Hira. Hira is loyal. Why? Remember Job's friends, the three friends who come to see him. They stick with him even though he is pushing them and challenging their theology and their assumptions about why he might be suffering. They stay together. They remain friends. They argue. Why are they loyal to Eov at that time? These stories taken together and other similar stories must be teaching us something important about loyalty. And one thing they're telling us is that we are not and should not be expected to and ought not be loyal to everyone simply because we know them there must be some line or some distinction that allows us to say, these are the people with, to whom I should be loyal, and these are the people to whom I need not be loyal, or ought not to be loyal. So in order to figure out the pattern, we can look at a word that is associated with the word ne'emanut, which is loyalty, and we see it, interestingly enough, in the blessing that we say when we see a rainbow. And For reasons I don't want to go into right now, there is a sense of possible or potential catastrophe that attends the seeing of a rainbow, meaning that God is signaling by putting a rainbow in the sky that God wanted to destroy the world like God destroyed the world at the time of Noah and the flood. And God remembered the covenant that we have and therefore did not destroy the world. 
And the blessing we say is, Baruch atah Hashem Elkeinu Melech Olam, Blessed are you, God, our God, ruler of the world, Zohar Habrit, who remembers the covenant, V'ne'eman Bivrito, and is loyal or is faithful in that covenant, V'kayam B'mamaro, and fulfills God's word. This idea of Ne'eman Bivrito, loyal in the context of a covenant. We are loyal or are expected to be loyal in the context of a relationship in which there is a covenant, there is a breit. Once a breit has been established, we are expected to adhere to it pretty much at all costs. In fact, we might not even be being loyal to each other. It might be that we are being loyal to the breit, to the covenant that we have between us. Covenant goes beyond friendship. It creates a sacred framework of agreement between people that is essentially inviolate. Unless, of course, one of the people leaves the covenant or violates the principles and assumptions that characterize that covenant. And it may well be that when Rabbi Yochanan saw Reish Lakish and heard his statement, what have you done for me? I was a king then and I'm a king now and it doesn't make any difference to me that I've learned Torah. I was a king and I am a king. And when Rabbi Yochanan heard that, he may have heard that Reish Lakish wasn't really participating in the covenant anymore. He wasn't committing to and adhering to and beholden to the agreements and the values to which they had both committed. And at that point, loyalty was no longer required for Rabbi Yochanan. So we have this category of behavior and this set of values, which is called in our tradition, Shmirat Habrit, which is the protection of or the keeping of the covenant, or Tikkun Habrit, the rectification of the covenant. And it is talked about, especially in the writings of Rabbi Nachman, as characterizing holy, intentional, careful participation in relationship with other human beings. It often has sexual connotations, meaning that a person is maintaining sexual sanctity. But what makes it interesting is that this is an idea of maintaining holy sexuality and by extension, holy relationship, not necessarily or only because of my relationship with this person, but because of my relationship with God. Tikkun Abrit, the rectification of the covenant, or Shmirat Abrit, the protection or the keeping of the covenant, is in the sense a relationship between three parties. There is me, and there is the person, and there is God. And my ability to maintain my relationship with this person and to maintain the sanctity of my relationship with this person, with all of the boundaries and all of the loyalties that are expected to attend that relationship, comes because of that third party in the relationship, which is my relationship with God. Even when I don't feel towards you what I would have to feel towards you in order to want to act in accordance with what you want from me, I still just the same do so and act loyally because I have a commitment to God. So even if I'm angry at you because I still want to serve God, 
I therefore act in accordance with the values of loyalty, though I might not be feeling it at this time. We see one of the best examples of this, and the first person in the Torah who is tested with the challenges of Brit, with the challenges of covenant and keeping the covenant in the person of Yosef. Remember that Yosef has been sold down to Egypt, and he was bought by Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's ministers. Potiphar's wife had taken a liking to Yosef, and she said to him, imi, Lay with me. And Yosef's response is interesting. Vayimain, he refused. And he said to his wife's master, My master doesn't even know what's with me in the house, meaning my master has left everything in my hands. He's given everything over to my control. He trusts me completely. There's no one greater in this house than me. I am the top servant. And he has not withheld anything from me, except you, his wife. Because you're his wife. How can I do this evil thing? And I would be sinning to God. Does Yosef feel loyalty to his master Potiphar? Perhaps. Should he? Perhaps. But what really moves Yosef at this time is the fear that he'll be violating a vertical covenant and not a horizontal covenant. He'll be violating a principle, a value that he has a commitment to God, that he has, a commitment to holiness and to sanctity that he has, which has very little, if anything, to do with this woman, Potiphar's wife, or with this man, Potiphar, who is his master. Yosef's commitment is vertical. It's above. And that is something that demands his loyalty, regardless of who the human beings are who are participating in the terrestrial version of that covenant. Why is it that Yosef is loyal to God in the context of Potiphar and his wife, people with whom Yosef does not share a filial covenant, and yet Rabbi Yochanan does not maintain loyalty to Reish Lakish? This is a question that has to be explored. With whom should we have this covenant? With whom is this covenant expressed? What is over the line? What behaviors would justify leaving that covenant and the duties and the loyalty that demands? These are questions that need to be explored. But in the meantime, let me encourage you to spend time with your dog and to imagine what it might have been like for Cain to spend so much time with his dead brother's dog, this dog that is now showing loyalty to Cain, reminding him every day of a trait that he does not have and really ought to develop for the future of humanity. But these traits take so long to develop They are particularly challenging and challenged when there is scarcity, when there is lack, when there is fear, when there is resentment and regret. But those are specifically the times in which loyalty would be most needed. Thanks for listening. It's been really fun and interesting to explore this topic of friendship and to wonder about how friendship develops and grows as we become older and as we need and can offer different kinds of friendship and different kinds of relationship. I hope it's been interesting and informative and nourishing for you as well.